are back. We are back. Welcome to match point number nine, a tennis bets podcast. I am one of three hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on Twitter. If this is your first time listening, chances are that's how you found us. Welcome. Hello. If you're a returning listener and a returning champion, thank you for coming back. All right. With me, as always, is uh, my number one tennis talking bro, Derek. Derek, hello. What's up, everybody? Hope you guys uh, have more time to get into tennis now that football's over. You don't have to check your fantasy football lineups every single day of the week. You don't have to watch football all day on Sundays, and you don't got to do ridiculous scouting all day on Saturdays. So hopefully you got some more time to watch tennis and make some bets. So hear what we got to say. Yes, the page has turned from the football season. Uh, most people think it's a sports desert, uh, but as uh, you know, in America, a lot of states now have uh, sports betting. I don't think uh, that addiction is going to dry up here <laughs> <laughs> with football being over. So uh, college basketball and hopefully tennis will pick up for people. So check us out. If you like what you hear on this episode in your first time, um, follow along with us. As always, once again, Mr. John Reed, you can find him at JR Tweets Tennis. You can find his own brand at Tidbits Tennis. He writes for the Action Network. Betting expert Hammer HQ. If you bet on tennis and use Twitter to do so, chances are you know this guy. John, welcome once again. Thank you. Thank you. Can't complain. This is the part of the season. I love February has been a bitch sometimes to me in the, in the last few years, but it's been a nice February for me so far. And you get down to these, these smaller tournaments, these two fifties, five hundreds, even, you know, you get into the spot where these qualifiers are doing well. And, uh, and I like to, uh, to have a little bit of fun here. I'm sure we'll get into it. when We talk about Rotterdam, but something like, uh, Geese Bruver uh, is a great example of a guy you can, you can find at some nice odds in these, in these points of the season. So if you are a football person and you, you found this pod, uh, we're going to help you in the next couple of weeks uh, find some undervalued players to bet on. Yes, this is a betting podcast, so transparency is king. Quick recap where we pay for our sins or take the much-deserved uh, victory lap uh, with our, our plays from last time. Uh, Pod has had better weeks than last week. Montpellier, we, uh, we had center in the final, but we had Runa winning outright. Who ran into a big serving buzzsaw and Maxime Cressy, my Emerlin early on didn't come in, but you guys said no play. So hopefully people listen to two thirds of this podcast. Uh, we like Bublik who choked. Manny had that match and then he just gave it away. We cashed with Arthur Feast. Probably the biggest miss for us was not looking into Cressy a little bit more considering we were uh, setting up the big server narrative a bit uh, in the, the, the tournament preview section. But, you know, Cressy. It's so tough to know when he's going to be on, but he was uh, on last week. Only missed four first serve points in that uh, defeat of Runa. So good on Maxime there. And Cordoba, nothing great from us here. We were a week early on Kachin, who picked up a win yesterday against Montero. Diego remained as bad as possible, even though we backed him as a short favorite uh, and liked his chances to make a run. We hoped Bias would play better, but took a shot fading him on the game's line, and he covered and cruised to the title there dallas open a little better for us i said isner would make the semis if not the final which that came in we mentioned wolf was a trap spot for foe we faded chapo against you being woo the eventual champ and that brings me to a segment we are bringing back called the wave of the week so early on in this podcast the history of this podcast we had a segment called wave of the week because we have a little surf rock cue that i'm going to queue up here but it helps us uh, retain guys who've been hot recently and and, and keep in the back of the mind guys who can make runs i put it up for a public vote and the winner is the dallas open champion here 
There are a lot of candidates uh, with Cressy, Feast, Baez, but the people have spoken. Yibing Wu is the initial 2023 Wave of the Week winner. So the wave of the week is someone who caught a good wave, rode it to success. Uh, he took down Michael Moe, Chapo, Manorino, outlast Fritz and Isner for his first ATB title. Incredible run as both a favorite and a dog all week. Certainly a name to keep an eye out for in the coming weeks. Uh, had 70 plus first serve points won all week, uh, but it was his tenacity on big points that was the edge uh, in the semifinals, nine of nine. In the final, three of three on break point, saved, fended off three match points from Isner. John, what did you see from uh, Mr. Wu? last week well man i mean this this is the talent he has right he's always been one to watch for for a while now especially uh, since last year coming back from many injuries over the course of the past few seasons keep in mind he won the the u.s open uh boys title years ago and we're starting to see why i mean the guy's got a, a decent serve he's got good power on his ground strokes not overwhelming he's incredibly athletic and his return of serve is is like already elite in my mind he can take big against big first servers and he gets his racket to those balls so so well and look at the diverse kind of uh portfolio of people he beat he beat an almost pure pusher uh in michael mo incredibly athletic doesn't commit a ton of errors hard to really uh hit through outlast him then he beats shapovalov who's kind of a mix of you know great shot making not the greatest mental game but incredibly talented, good power. Then it's Taylor Fritz again, a, a combo kind of player. And then it's a, you know, and, and oh yeah, and then he beats a pure serve bot. That's really tough to take down on some of the quickest courts you're going to find. I thought it was an incredible job by by Wu. We're not going to see, you know, he's like Ben Shelton. These type, these guys, by the way, went back and forth during that challenger stretch last year where pe- a lot of us that watched challengers were saying, watch out because we're not going to get a ton of value on these two guys for much longer. We've already seen that kind of fade away with Ben Shelton, and I think we're going to see that uh, start to fade away now with uh, with Wu as well. It's pretty cool to see him uh, highlighted and celebrated at the Dallas Mavericks game. Nice little uh, come up for, for tennis as a sport in general there. I think the highlight of that week for him was that win over Fritz. I mean, like, Fritz, you could say that he choked, but I don't really think so. I mean, he, what... He had some break points that he just didn't convert. He was like oh for nine, but he I had mean, like, five, five early on in the second in one game. Yeah, yeah, he went oh for nine. But on top of that, he also had twenty aces. Fritz did. Like, how many matches does Fritz get twenty aces in? So I mean, Wu just kind of just it's it's not that Fritz collapsed. It's just that Wu was just he just played a very consistent game throughout and it's pretty damn impressive that he was just going to go in there and just beat Fritz with Fritz just racking up the stats in his department too. Yeah. I wouldn't say Fritz choked it. I would say he left it on the table though. I, I think that uh, he definitely had opportunities to, to come out on top on that one. I said last week, he should just admit he's not the top American if he didn't win last week. So, uh, I'm waiting for that admission, Mr. Fritz. No. Uh, but I do think uh, Top American is certainly uh, more of a conversation than a definitive answer. That was our Wave of the Week. And we are moving on now to this week. Three sites, so we have a lot to go over here. And let's get it going with the tournament that starts the slates each day, and that's ATP Rotterdam. Long-standing ATP event that's been played since 1972. 
indoor hard, but traditionally slow for indoor hard. We've already seen boost to lose from a set and a break up matches like that. Usually a good indicator. These, these aren't going to be straightforward indoor hard courts. FAA won last year. For his first ATP title, beating Tsitsipas 6-4-6-2, Rublev beat Fucevic the year before, 7-6-6-4, Monfils won this twice before that, beating FAA and Warinka, who won this in 2015, Fed and Sanga won titles uh, before the Monfils double run. So a bit of recent history there, it's a loaded event, fun one, dim lights, a little bit different look, headlines so far, a couple guys in their home tournament and uh, Brower and Greek Spore pick up some wins today. Geese, a nice dog against Husler. Barrer qualifies in and then wins as a nice dog against Goffin. Serving up a steaming hot bagel in the first set. Uh, we mentioned Busta blew his lead against Gasquet. That is what we're dealing with so far. We've seen Tsitsipas come back from a breakdown to win in straights against uh, Rusevori just before we hit record. And now Medvedev is trying to stay in the match against uh, ADF. So... That's uh, the timestamp a little bit where we're at when we record here. Let's jump into some lines for tomorrow, guys. Kicking it off with uh, Mr. Yannick Sinner, the uh, Montpellier champ. He is laying four games against Mr. Ben Bonzi, the Frenchman. He's minus 500 to win this. Bonzi is plus 375 as a dog. 21 and a half game total here. Sinner's 2-0 uh, against this guy. These They did play on slow hard courts at Indian Wells. Bonzi, I'm sure covered a center one seven six three six six four, but he crushed him on clay in 2020 at the French by eight games uh, in straights. So a little history of their head to head here. Center, obviously, you know, a hot uh, betting play would be to fade a title winner in his first match back just days later back on the court but uh this is going to be a wednesday start so a little bit of time off for center here uh john what do you think about this uh matchup between the italian and the frenchman look ben bonzi get him onto a bit, a bit slower of a hard court uh and i think that this is actually going to favor center a bit um you know we know he's an all-surface player he's got extremely powerful ground strokes some of the most powerful in the sport which means he doesn't need the courts to really help him out as much uh, in that respect, in order to to take control and seize control of points, he can generate his own pace like that. Ben Bonzi, I don't think, is is nearly as capable. He has not looked very good at all uh, since losing to Alex Diemenauer in that third round at the Australian Open. That was an, an acceptable loss in my mind, just because, again, quicker court Diemenauer is someone that's tough to hit through. Bonzi doesn't have the requisite power, and Demon will just torment guys like that. But since then, I mean, Zombor Piroš, Strong young player has been plagued by injuries and, and he's been a challenger guy for a long time, but there is some talent there. Not a great loss for Ben. And then of course, Sonego, it wasn't just that he lost that match. It was how he looked in Montpellier on home kind of soil there with the, the French support. And he just never looked like he was really, at least for me, even when he, he was finding his, you know, any kind of groove, it didn't look like he was ever going to run away with that match or take that match away from Senego. So a little concerned on his form. He's coming up against a big hitter, uh, someone who doesn't mind slower conditions, who can hit through them. I, I have no problem here if people want to back center in some capacity. Not sure how you'd go. I think I'd rather lay four and a half than four, honestly. That's a very, very expensive half game to be buying. I know it's, um, you know, you've got your, your hard court and, and it's tough to to cover those numbers, but I'm seeing a dollar eighty five at Pinnacle or minus one eighteen. I'm seeing plus one twenty available on the board for the four and a half. Are you really telling me you you 
you're willing to pay, you know, 30, 40 cents for that, you know, on the dollar for that half game. If you're going to take Sinner, I feel like the four and a half, look, you shouldn't be betting 10% of your bankroll on one bet. If you lose and it lands on four, you lose and it lands on four and you don't get the push. But if you're going to win by five games, at least go and get that 40 cents on the dollar for that half game. There's there's not enough time. There aren't as many uh, enough times that this lands right on four to justify that kind of massive uh, price discrepancy there. I totally agree, and I, I think if you are going to do the you know fade the the recent title winner, I I would I'd play the games versus the uh, the money line, even though the money line is uh, a juicy plus three seventy five with Bonzi. I just think that Sinner is a, a higher class player than a typical random title winner, so I look for him to still gut this out. But uh, yeah, if you were going to chase that angle, I, I would take the four versus the money line, or maybe a first uh, set money line play. Uh, might be something to look at as these guys have played a tight match on slower hardcore. Derek, any uh, center Bonzi thoughts? Um, I mean, it's, it's this whole bet's just kind of focus on center, right? I mean, we already said that like Bonzi's not that great of a player. I mean, even last week's on uh, on the episode last week, we said that center just you know he only beats players that are ranked lower than him, and he just loses everyone that's ranked above him. So I mean, we're looking at that exact scenario, and I can't see center really losing this match at all. Um, if you want to do a set spread, uh, two sets is still minus 155. There's not much value there. But um, yeah, if you want to just kind of throw in a bet, I would probably take the game spread as well at four. You know, save a little bit of money so you don't have to bet the 155, minus 155 for the two set win. Or if, uh, you know, for three sets, because uh, Sinner um, can, you think you got that uh, games cover locked up and then Sinner out of nowhere wins 6-0 in the third set. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're looking to back Bonzi, maybe a first set money line play and over two and a half or the four. All right, well, let's move it on to, to Stan Wawrinka versus uh, Gasquet. Three and one all time to Mr. Gasquet in this head-to-head, uh, but last year was their first meeting in almost 10 years with, with Gasquet winning 2-6, 7-6, 6-4 in Antwerp. They each generated the same amount of break points in that match, so a pretty tight one. Gasquet, first time back in this event since 2018, made the quarters in 2012, but besides that, hasn't made it past the first round, uh, or past the second round, rather. Wawrinka has won this in 2015 and made the final before. So uh, a slight court lean here to Wawrinka. Uh, Wawrinka is a minus 145 favorite. Uh, Gasquet plus 120 as the dog. Uh, game and a half uh, on the games line here. And 24. It's a little bit jacked up on the games total here. I like Mr. Wawrinka to outlast in this one. I don't love the price, though. I will say I wish this was uh, closer to pick. And I'm not really sure where the money's going to come in to like, is Warinka going to get gassed up to like minus 160, one, minus 170 before close? I don't know that there's that many Gasquet backers or is Gasquet going to like, I don't know. I just don't know where the money's going to go on this one, but I do like Mr. Warinka on these courts. Uh, we Gasquet, I think lucky to be here. So two ways to go with that. They <laughs> either take advantage of that and make a de- deeper run or reality sets in and, and their exit is handed to them. That should have been handed to them last time. <laughs> and honestly, when I looked at this uh, matchup, I thought that Gasquet would have been the favorite here. I mean, now that I see him as a plus dog, I would just, yeah, I would take Gasquet. I mean, while Rinka just cruised through that first round because he played Bublik, who screwed us last week, and we know that we shouldn't be betting on Bublik until you know you see an actual correction, aka actually wins one match. So 
I don't think that like saying that Wal Rinka or just judging him based on his first round performance is a good way to go about looking at this match. But you take a look at how Gasket played on of in the first round against Busta. He did come back, I think, from a set down. Not that Busta and Wal Rinka are similar players, but I think Gasquet showed a better game than what Wal Rinka displayed in the first round. So at plus one twenty, even like me thinking about this off the top of my head, I would have thought they were like pretty close to even odds. So if you can get Gasquet at plus one twenty, I think that's a pretty good price. Yeah, he's he's nearing plus one thirty now at Pinnacle. Uh, the open plus one fifty. Uh, that was bet down, uh, all the way down to uh, plus one thirteen, and it's back up. There's been some buyback now uh, on the other side, and so we're back up to plus one twenty seven. So nearing plus one thirty. I'm there. I'm with. I'm with Derek here. Honestly, Stan Vavrinka has beaten two players this year. One named Daniel Altmaier needed three sets on a hard court at Davis Cup to do that. And then he beat Alex Bublik twice. And that's it. Um, <laughs> like, he lost to Hercotch. Decent showing there. Lost to Molchan as a monster favorite. Lost to Zverev, who is far, far, far from his best right now. Also at Davis Cup. I, I don't think that he should be the favorite here. I, I again I agree with Derek in, in the pricing too. I think that I thought this would be a pickup. And I would have been, happily stayed the hell away from two guys in their mid to late 30s and just enjoyed the one-handed backhands on display. Now you're gonna give me, you know, Gasquet, who I trust a little bit more right now, especially this year. He's in better form this year, uh, on the whole. I don't think he's gonna be, you know, intimidated by any of the, the pacer or hitting that Vavinka tries to bring at him. I I'll take the plus money there. Yeah, well, if this is going to come back down, uh, I certainly don't want to play Warinka at minus 145, but if it, it creeps down to more toes, like one minus 120, if uh, that uh, Gasquet's team continues, I'll be on Warinka. So that's good. Two two uh, of three, Gasquet. And uh, I, I mean, I totally agree with you guys that uh, Gasquet has been in better form. Uh, and we've certainly just seen this guy a lot more uh, than Warinka over the last uh, six months, even dating back to his like Winston-Salem run. Uh, at the end of August. So I'll, I'll chase the, the reverse line movement, though, if Warink is going to come down. Uh, all right. We got uh, Holger Runa versus uh, Lestien uh, as well tomorrow. Runa is a minus four and a half game favorite. Uh, he's minus 650 on the money line. Jeez, Lestien is plus 450. 20 and a half game total here. Lestien actually be a pubescent Runa. In 20 How old was Runa in 2019 uh, playing a clay challenger? Pretty pretty young. Kid. And I think uh, Lestian was like 45 at the time. So no. <laughs> he, is, he is an older guy, though. How are we? I mean, the glue, that's called the Murata glue effect right there. Yeah. Lestian has been, uh, he battled back, uh, went down a break early in qualifying, I believe, uh, against Martyr, came back. So he qualified in into this thing. We've been seeing him more in main draws. So certainly a guy that's been in form of late uh, but we all at this point know what we're getting with Holger Runa and I think uh, a slower hardcore is just a great setup for this guy yeah and look this is a good test but also a great matchup for him right he's going to be tested here like Lestian's going to throw junk at him he's going to get a lot back there's going to be you know some some testy moments for um the Danish young gun but it's also a great matchup he's got better everything really maybe not variety but he's more athletic, better forehand, better backhand, better serve, more talent. I, when you said four and a half, I honestly, I didn't even open that tab uh, on odds portal because I, I thought this is going to be a five to five and a half game spread and I'll just leave it alone. But 
four and a half, I think, I think is worth the play. That's actually minus. It's it's a little juiced everywhere else. Bet 365 has it at minus 110, though. And I don't know if you guys can tell. I keep looking down. I'm, I'm literally placing that bet right now um, <laughs> as I'm walking through this because four and a half is at least at least a half game too low. I'd venture to say a full game. Remember, the higher you get up in these numbers, uh, the more value each half game and full game becomes. So th- that's a pretty decent uh, number if you like. If you have a, a, a anything in a minus one ten to minus one twenty range uh, for minus four and a half, I'd, I'd take that. Yeah, every single time I see a four and a half game spread, and I'm I'm taking the the minus four and a half, dude. I, I every single time I make that bet, I'm just like biting my nails until the match starts, and then you just see the guy just whoop the other dude, and you're like, okay, this bet wasn't so bad. So as of right now, I'm like kind of tense on taking it. I'm like, should I just bet sixty five dollars so I can win ten dollars and almost buy lunch tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> just lay the. <laughs> don't ever do that but yeah don't don't bet the, the minus 650 on the money line but yeah yeah it, yeah like as i was saying though like, my, betting on minus four and a half it's like a confidence thing for me in itself it's like i have to get over that hump but once the match starts and you can see that runa is going to completely outmatch lesnian you're, you're going to be confident in the bet once that hits so yeah i'm with you minus four and a half runa let's go with that one yeah, I'm going to run into the, into the fire with that four and a half as well. All right, John, I believe you have a take on this next match, which is Tim Van Rijthoven versus Maxime Cressy, who we've talked about a little bit on this pod already. Two serve guys about to serve it up. Cressy off the hot week, as I said. Cressy beat TVR in 2021 in an Italian indoor challenger event, but a lot has changed for both players since then, obviously. Cressy is a two-game favorite, minus 175 on the money line. Total is up to 25 and a half. Van Rijthoven is plus 148 as the dog. I think you uh, have a tout on this on the timeline already. Yeah, I I, I partnered with uh, Tennis Master on this one. It was it was 2.77 or, or plus 177 when we bet it. And that that's just, that's too much for me. Um, this is a, a very, very serve-oriented contest. I don't love that kind of power coming into a one-handed backhand of, of Van Rijthoven. But look... <laughs> This is not the spot that I'm going to be looking to back Maxime Cressy on a minus games uh, angle or anything. He does get very, very low margin kind of on return where he's willing to give up 60, 70% of points with overly aggressive play because he knows he's he, he's not extending points and winning the longer rallies. So I, I don't mind that mentality from him. But the fact is he's, there's just, it, this should be a, a very, very serve-oriented contest. And then you're getting into very you're, you're you're having it decided at the margins far more often than not. And if that's the case, they should really be closer. Perhaps not to a pick. Perhaps you have Cressy as the better returner. You don't like that one-handed backhand in a big power matchup kind of thing. Okay, fair enough. You have him as a slight favorite. He's coming off a, a long run in, um, I believe, as Montpellier. So I get that he should he could be a slight favorite. I don't get how you have or you ha- how the market had him at one point as a sizable like definitive favorite in this matchup. Um, I'm taking a look at some of his recent runs. He didn't back up a final against Fritz that well at Wimbledon. He went to the second round. He actually beat Oje Yassim, so not the worst. I, I, I should preface that. Wins Newport, then needs three sets to beat Jack Sock, who ran out of gas in Washington, and he baggles him, and then he loses second round to Rublev. Third round of Rublev, a lot of buys there. Goes you know to Melbourne final last year, then a Sydney quarter, I guess, is decent, but he didn't play a lot of great competition. When he went to the second week of the Australian Open, he lost, I think, four or five matches straight after that. He has He's not someone who's typically backed up long weeks well, and it makes sense. Like, he may not play the most physical style or the longest of points, but that's a big dude, and that's a lot of, like, 
you know, muscle and bone to be lugging around a court four or five times at a professional tennis tournament in a single week. And then to do it again the next week is not going to be easy in general. And again, this matchup wise, he doesn't have some clear edge that makes him a definitive favorite. I know Van Rijtoven at one point was coming back from uh, injury. And that's why I was really happy to have done some tape study at the Davis Cup where he looked just fine when he beat Alex Bolchan, who played one of his better matches I've seen in a long time on a hard court uh, from the Slovakian. And he still managed to take him down there. So yeah, I'll back Tim Van Rijtoven there at uh, at nice plus money every time. I think it's already back to plus 160 now too, by the way, at Pinnacle. So um, still playable numbers out there. I'm down. This is if you're looking to uh, do the whole, you know, conventional wisdom fade the 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 title match, guys. This is a perfect spot. Cressy fits that profile as someone to fade much more than uh, Sinner, who I think, you know, obviously in a different class of player. So you have that going for you as well. And the price is pretty, pretty, pretty nice. Although, I, I mean, we haven't really seen much from Van Rijthoven, though. I would say that, like since his, his splash run during right. the summer last year. He did get a set off rude though at the uso so rude was in the final there so all right let's keep it moving dimitrov qb Hercash. dimitrov is even money qb is a slight favorite at minus 120 one game spread 23 total these guys have played twice with dimitrov winning both and a third set tie break last year in monte carlo and at indian wells in 2021 so not one for one conditions but you know i would say same ballpark conditions ish with these uh slower Rotter- rotterdam courts uh to carry over here i mean pretty weird that they've played two third set tie breaks in their two head-to-heads so i think that the pick em line here is uh you know well deserved and i'm gonna go dimitrov uh in this matchup to to get a third win qb's been so suspect in tie breaks even today he was one for two uh so if it if it comes down to tie break i just i'm gonna go with the guy who's pulled out two of them in a row uh in this matchup at the I lower the price set, i like a first set over here is a decent look these are two heavy servers not the greatest of returners and then qb with a bit more defending ability or like a little bit more consistency to his game i don't mind him being a slight favorite this this does have an over written all over it uh i think the number at 23 on the full match at a dollar 85 is you know it's a little juice that's minus 118 and then you have you know you're already at 23 which means to get to that number you do need a 12 game set or two or a tie break and then you know even a six four for a push you need two long sets or you need it to go three so i think you're probably going to find more value in like a plus 135 on the plus over two and a half sets or taking an over 10 and a half games at plus 200 in the first set over 12 and a half or for it to go to a tie break plus 300 in the first set it's only minus 150 um or minus 145 ish somewhere in that range i don't i don't know the conversions off the top of my head in uh in that respect but for the over nine and a half so 10 games at that point you're uh you're it's yeah minus 150 i just checked so it, it's to the point where i mean even even if a guy wins by a break in that set an early break if he's serving second you would need a double break in order for that uh to not come in so with these two servers men's tennis Dimitrov's kind of suspect returning. I don't know if if I, I think I like that. I think you should have that down at minus 200. So I think there's uh, some decent value in the first set overs. And I think they, they present, present a bit more value than the over-under market on the uh, full match for me. Yeah, I am I feel like I'm just butting heads with Dave over here on these bets. But um, I think <laughs> I would take the Hurricats minus one game for minus 110 is what it's currently sitting at. Uh, he had like a ton of aces yesterday. Let me look this up. 26 i know it's a slower court but he still had 26 aces against robbie bats yesterday 
And then Dimitrov, like you're saying, his return game is not great. So, um, like, Batista Good only had three break points on top of that. So if you if he held serve pretty well against Dimitrov or holds serve pretty well against Dimitrov, then the one game spread is going to be looking pretty good. Like if uh, I think that he'll probably even have a better chance of breaking Dimitrov than Dimitrov has a chance of breaking him. So minus one game, it's not bad. Um, I would side with that one for sure. I know. I think it's good that we have uh, multiple uh, sides of plays because I feel like when we're all three uh, amigos, three musketeers on a play, it usually goes down in flames. <laughs> so a little diversity in the thought process, uh, probably good for the pod and for the plays uh, overall. All right. We have Bodic VDZ coming in at minus 140 on the main line. Uh, Quentin Halis is a plus 115 dog. Total is set at 24 here with the Two guys who can serve. Holly's more more of a serve guy uh, than Bodic, I think. Bodic, uh, although has a pretty big serve, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's uh, falls into the serve serve guy bucket. Would, would you, John? No, Bodic. Yeah, no, no. I don't think he's he's. I mean, he's. It's not weak. Uh, he doesn't have many weaknesses. That's the that's the best part of his game, right? So these guys first match up between them. Holly's has a match under his legs here, and I believe Bodic will be coming in fresh. Last time we saw him. The Australian Open. He lost to Greek Spore in the second round. Oh, wow. So we haven't yeah, seen him since uh, the Australian Open, January 18th, where he lost in straights to Greek Spore. Oof. Now he's in Netherlands. Uh, obviously, home country for him, though. So it's worked out well so far for the other guys. Obviously, Halis uh, has a serve that can keep this competitive. I'm not sure where I lean in terms of this matchup. I guess I would back the the home guy and the, the Dutchman. But, John, do you have any strong takes with this one? Yeah, it's... Been bet heavily for Halis here as the lucky loser. Played a long match, although he's going to have like a couple full days off from the second round of qualifying, so that shouldn't really be of a, a big impact. But I think the slower conditions favor the all-quarter a bit more here. I think they're both... Technically, Halis has had okay success at the challenger level, I think, across surfaces. But if you're going to take away from each of their serves, I think that benefits the better baseliner here in Van Azanskulp a little bit. I- I'm surprised to see him, you know go from about $1.62, which I've got, you know, I have my odds converter open here now, minus 160, and he's all the way down to about minus 128 at bet three at uh, Pinnacle right now. Oh, wow. So huge move there. And at this point, I'm tempted to get involved. I don't know why. Maybe it's, again, Alice has been so good to start here, but those have all been in more favorable conditions for him, um, including Montpellier, quicker courts, you know, down under was quicker. Van der Zandt's call maybe hasn't played from Australia. There might be a few angles playing into this, but I think this is a big move, and I'm not sure that this is nearly as as it's not a coin flip in the in the odds markets, but I'm not sure it's as close as these odds would indicate. So I'd probably back uh, Bodic at these price points if I if I were on a side. A thirty cent uh, line movement is my love language uh, in the reverse way. So yeah, <laughs> if it's moved that much, uh, I'm definitely down and out with the Bodic side. And then I can also use my meme: always bet on Bodic. so it's a win-win yeah i personally don't know much about halis so i don't really have a side on this but what i was thinking is is i like every single time that john reads off and i'm like he's like minus 128 is what bodic's at and i'm like on bovada right now looking at minus 140 i'm like dude i either (laughs) need to like move to a different state or steal somebody's state id that lives in uh, a gambling state and i'm like this is ridiculous that i just 
keep having to do this offshore stuff that was giving me odds oh, like 140 while the rest of the country is getting minus 128. So I'm just over here living in jealousy. But well, you need uh, pinnacle, honestly. I mean, the, well, the, the, the hold is so low that oftentimes like they just have the best, they have the best odds on both sides right now. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't like on, on they're off market. It's not that they're off market. It's they're the best. They have the best price on Venezansculp and they're tied with Unibet right now for the offshores that I use. not they're on shore now. They're all regulated here now, uh, but they were offshore before April of last year. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just a margin thing, right? They, they, they'd hardly yeah. charge uh, uh, as, as much vig as anyone else. And as a result, no matter what side you want to bet here, the best price is going to be a pinnacle. Yeah, for sure. I'm just getting raked all over the place. <laughs> well, I bet online though does have competitive uh, pricing compared to Bovada. There, Bov- Bovada is an extremely sharp book for for, for tennis betting. Um, they're what's it called though? They're a uh, they're basically they just do a lot of copying on Pinnacle and have low limits, like even lower than Pinnacle. Bet online. Well, it's even minus one forty there. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's cruel all the way around. All right, Alex Dimonor is uh, coming in as a slight dog to andre rublev or not a slight a heavy dog he's the three and a half game favorite rublev minus 240 adm is plus 195 the total is set at a pretty neutral 22 and a half here rublev won this matchup in 2022 at monte carlo 266164 adm has a couple wins but a long time ago in 2018 on faster hard courts uh, not a lot of takeaway there from that head-to-head matchup rublev has had success uh, at this tournament before, I think this is a really bad matchup for ADM, who I think is going to struggle to hit through these courts. And I, Rublev is going to struggle at times and get frustrated. So there's an yeah. opening for ADM. But I do think Rublev will will win this matchup. And I, I actually think this is a three and a half. I, I do think he will get the cover as well. I don't know. Like, I can come up with an argument for both sides of this one. I think it's like a no play for me. I mean, like, obviously, Rublev can hit through Demonor, But I can also mm-hmm. argue that the courts are a little bit slower and like Demonor can run around and hit the balls back and, you know, and frustrate Rublev. And we know how Rublev can, you know, just lose his cool pretty dang easily. So judging from that, I mean, I see both sides of the coin. I'd probably steer clear of this. I mean, three and a half games is kind of a, uh, it's kind of a stretch for me. So I don't know. Let me pass this along to John. What do you think? I mean, I think Demonor is starting to get a little bit, more comfortable in, in slower conditions, like third round in Paris, albeit, you know, the court is a good win. Medvedev also hates slower conditions. Last year in Rotterdam was a quarter finalist, but again, you beat Mackie McDonald, who again likes quick courts, and David Goffin, who is aging. And then before that, we just hadn't seen, um, you know, second round in Rotterdam the time before he came. And, you know, he hasn't played it a, a ton, I don't think. So it's, I would, I would, I would go with Rublev if I were to take a side here. I, I rarely, rarely say this, and I mean anyone who follows the timeline knows I don't play a ton of them. But I don't mind Rublev on a parlay here. He's like minus. Oh, let me get my calculator back out again. Minus uh, two twenty-two or dollar forty-five for me at Pinnacle. So I, I do not mind that as a parlay piece. Uh, in the least, I think that he wins this. He should be. Uh, more than a two to one favorite in these conditions. He can hit through the courts. He can hit through demon. He can construct. It's all going to come down to his newfound uh, ability to construct points and that mental game that you mentioned, Eric, if he can keep it uh, together. I do think he is the much better player in these conditions uh, than, than Alex demon so three and a half. I, I could make a case for three and a half too, but I think at this point it, it's a lovely parlay piece. If you like your parlays, uh, as we record here, Medvedev is battled back, uh, won the second set six, two. So the five is still in play here. Those type of courts, folks. 
those type of courts. The game spreads are going to be dicey. Last but not least, we have uh, Greek Spore taking on Zverev, and I will 110,000% be playing Greek Spore at plus 220 against Zverev. Uh, probably be playing first set money line. This is just uh, taking a chance and seeing. Zverev obviously played a little bit better today. I believe he had 10 aces, um, no double faults. But at the same time, I mean, I don't think he's quite back to being the Zverev uh, that we know. And uh, I think we can, we're running out of chances uh, to take advantage of that. Hey, look at us, dude. We agreed on something here. I, I have called Talon Greeks for farts before, but I think he's a pretty good returner and he can hit back the, the serve with pace. And um, Zverev's weapon right now is a serve. I mean, I guess then that kind of eliminates that weapon. But as you're saying, too, it's like we haven't seen a correction on Zverev yet. And we are running out of chances. Hopefully those chances still come, but I'm still willing to risk that. I mean, I'm not an underdog better. So for me personally, and if you aren't, um, I would just bet to win a unit. I wouldn't necessarily bet a unit on this, but at plus 220, yeah. I'll bet a little less than a half a unit to win a unit. There you go. And I am the other way around. I will absolutely bet a full unit on this money line if I like it. Or what I'll do is, you know what you can do too? Um, if you're not the, the biggest underdog, do the plus one and a half sets for a full unit and yeah. then take the money line for a half. That's kind of the hedge I've learned along the way that the sets are still showing enough value more times than not. And I got killed in 2021 by taking underdog money lines and losing from a set and set and break up. And it was just like, all right, there's got to be like an over plus money line. So you can't lose both or a plus one and a half sets in money line. So once you get your first set, you're in profit for the match and you're still not going minus EV. You're still betting valuable prices, uh, but you're, you know, at some point you've just got to bring some money into the freaking account. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So nice, nice. that's probably the approach I'll look at, uh, look to again here. In one case I'll make uh, on top of that for Greek sport. Yes, Verov looked better today, but there's two there's two things here. One, as Derek mentioned, it was heavily server-reliant. He landed 75% of his first serves. Oof. That's not a sustainable number. No. Uh, it just isn't. He hit no double faults in how many service games? What were there? 10 and 13 minus the tiebreak? 12, uh, what, 11 service games, not a single level fault. That's not like him. Again, is that sustainable? There's a question we had. And... Three, he played Sunwoo Kwan, who is not nearly as adept on slower courts as Greek Spore is. He's a quick court guy. The form he built up this year were on quick courts. That was not a coincidence. These were conditions that favored Zverev more than his Korean opponent, and it still was a very close match. Finally, Zverev didn't look all that dominant in a lot of baseline exchanges. He was probably the second best player in that match from the baseline. Uh, Greek Spore has more natural weapons than Kwan. He's actually... Looked pretty good at this tournament in the past. I believe he beat, maybe I'm just like remembering one specific match, but I believe, um, you know, he beat Karatsev last year as a dog and then lost a really uh, tight one. He's been playing this for years. A uh, couple years ago, he lost in qualies, okay? And then there was a year he beat Heron Hachanov as like a plus 670 dog and then took Joe Willie Songa to a first set tie break before running out of gas as a plus 620 dog. There have been moments for him in Rotterdam, that home kind of court kind of, is applicable to him. And this is just, you know, this is more of a, a fade of Zvera, but it's not a blind fade because you're actually getting a competent opponent with weapons to bet against him with. Like it's the perfect storm. You've got a nice big underdog price fading a guy who probably played an unsustainably strong match in the first round. You've got a guy that's more comfortable in the conditions that'll have the crowd support at night there. So um, 
I, I think that you're you're definitely seeing some value on Greek sport here. All right. Well, we do have a, a number up on a match that's uh, on the next day, the 16th, uh, which is uh, Barrera, uh getting four games against uh, FAA, who is minus 500. Uh, Barrera is plus 375. He's been playing well, looking good. FAA just completely eviscerated Senego today, though. Defending champ, uh, it's 22 on the total. Any initial reactions to that line that just came out? Yeah, I know. I did watch the Barrera match yesterday, and that guy has actually impressed me. Um, his serve's not great; it doesn't have enough like oomph on it. But I mean, that guy can hit the ball from all parts of the court. I mean, he's even pretty good at getting a nice touch at the net. And I was actually looking up to see who he'd play next as I was watching him play, and I was like, "Oh, damn! It's probably going to be Faye Leaks." <laughs> so now I'm sitting here looking at it. It's like four games. Like, that sounds pretty dang accurate. Like, I wish he was playing anybody else. So um, I'm going to hold off on this, but I'm going to keep that thought in my head that Barrera is a pretty decent player and that next time he plays somebody, you know, like outside the top 30, maybe maybe 25 even, that I'll take a stab at it. But um, I'm going to hold off on this one. Yeah, I think it's a juiced 4-2, so I'll, I'll probably pass there. Uh, but I, I actually really like Felix to, to handle Gregoire uh, on this one. All right, well, let's uh, bust open some deeper draw talk here. Anyone that they like outright, I'll just give out my pick. And uh, he battled back from uh, an early breakdown to absolutely crush Fru Savori today. And that's uh, Stefano Tsitsipas uh, is who I like outright to win this thing. I have him, well, he's playing center potentially next. I like him to get by center. Um, I just think that this is these are just great courts for Steph. Um, they're good courts for center too. Don't get me wrong. With the only three sets, I mean, we we've seen Steph start hot early against this guy every time they've they've played. I think he's going to carry over uh, the performance that he finished with today. A lot of court time for center two. Then he's going to play the winner of you know Warinka or Gasquet. He's going to win that. Uh, Runa obviously um, could make his way. We we was I assume we have Runa. Uh, we just picked Greek Spore, so Runa Greek Spore. Um, so it'll be a Steph versus Runa semifinal. And uh, I'm just going to go with the, the the guy who's been hot all year, lost one match, and that was the the slam final against uh, Djokovic. And I got him playing Rublev in the final. It's a 500. Let's let's it's uh, <laughs> this That's is right. Rublev's for the taking. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that bottom half looks. You know, if Runa was down in that bottom half, I'd be a lot happier to to back or or, or pick him down there. I think. Uh, it does look pretty chalky in that top half to be a semifinal setup between Stefan and, and uh, Runa. Obviously, Yannick Center, the big wild card in there to to potentially upset the apple cart. But uh, for the, I think his quarter is so weak that Runa should be someone that that is on uh, in a lot of these discussions in terms of you know making that final four potentially making run to the final. I think he's got the 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 talent to beat Steph as well. I don't think he would be favored. I don't think he should potent you know necessarily be favored, but I think he's got the ability to do it. Uh, I would just like to see you know the bottom half here. I'm going to take Felix, defending champ, starting to play uh better tennis in slower conditions. He's finding more he's found more rally tolerance. He's improved that backhand a bit. Uh, and honestly, he, he just has more weapons than a guy like Daniil Medvedev does, who is very, very you know, defensively um, kind of oriented at this point outside of his serve. There's not a whole lot of attacking tennis there. And if Felix is is able to come into net effectively and and, and dictate well, and he's got the serve to match there uh, with Daniil. So if Daniil finds a purple patch on serve, he can hold 
uh, serve right there with him. I, I just think, again, he, he's going to be the better player from the baseline. And the fourth quarter to me is is not objectively garbage, but it's I, I don't see anyone that really can hurt Felix, uh, even including Andre Rublev at this stage. Yeah, um, it's like I feel like I always just gravitate towards picking like a top seed. I mean, just because that's just where logic comes from, you know, um, but the top seeds don't always win. So I, I'm probably just going to pick Medvedev. It sounds crazy. He hasn't been playing well. Um, he'll eventually have to meet up with Felix if he gets through there. But like he has to change something in his game in order to be a top 10 player again. And I think that's a good place to start. And then after that, he'll face Rublev, who he hasn't had great recent success with, but has uh, historically great success against. So, and then he'll go against in the final, probably Sitsipas or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's possible, probably not likely, but I would love to see it happen though. Medvedev now three, and uh, in the third set here. Uh, against uh, ADF, uh, the five uh, still very much alive. If Sinner does uh, finally get off the Schneid against uh, Steph, and we get that uh, Sinner Runa semifinal matchup, we we talked about that last week. Uh, definitely be on Runa over Sinner there. And yeah, I, I ha- if it is Medvedev FAA, I have FAA moving on from Medvedev uh, as well. This this storming comeback here is now. <laughs> change my mind a little bit i don't know i think it's definitely more of a toss-up uh the pricing will be interesting on that one uh will be interesting on that one and i have rublev uh beating either hubie or dimitrov obviously to back up in my final so looking to back uh rublev here um a little bit so we got three outright three different picks on the outright so there you go all right guys well let's we got a lot more chance to talk about but thankfully uh these are 250s not 500 so there's less matches uh, but let's go down to argentina in the Argentina Open in Buenos Aires. You talk about long-standing events. This clay tournament, in some form, dates all the way back to 1927, which is pretty cool. Last year, Casper Ruud beat Diego Schwartzman 5-7, 6-2, 6-3 to win for the second time. He also won in 2020. Schwartzman won in 2021, beating Franz Sarundolo, who just came back in the third set to beat Hoffman, uh, and I think is now the new Argentina number one as of last week. So congratulations to him. Uh, he's the fifth seed here. Weather-wise, looks like high 70s, 80s all week. Uh, potential thunderstorm on Thursday. High winds on Friday, but clear for the weekend, so that's great. Big headline so far is that no one can hold serve, including an 18-break match between Zapata and Pedro Martinez uh, on day one. The main draw, Munar had a double-break lead in the second against Pella. Yesterday, he lost both before closing it out. Uh, it's tough out there for these guys. So I feel like Dolo, um, yeah, no, yeah, he came back. He had to break back to win uh, in the third. So then he got the break to, to close it out, 7 5. Um, the big headline here, obviously, though, is the return of Carlos Acarez. Carlitos is back in the building. The world number two makes his 2023 debut after a right leg injury. That's had him sidelined so far. He's a four-game favorite. Minus 350 on the money line, 21 and a half game total against Lazo Gera, who took down Fonidi and Straits. Uh, first match between these two, and I'm putting it out there that I'm 100% playing the first set money line with Gera at plus 200. Too much 
for a tennis player's return to uh, action for me. I will, and Jarrah has a, a really tough matchup for Alcaraz, who is the unforced heir king. Um, obviously, an amazing player, but uh, you know, Jarrah's going to make him work first time out. Um, so I, I the plus two hundred, man. I'm I'm a hundred percent taking a shot on that. You get two game. Oh, oh, okay. Never mind. I was looking at this all wrong. Sorry about that. Okay, so you're playing the money line first set. Would you consider the two games for? I would consider both. Yeah. Yeah. Minus one ten. It's not bad. Um. Yeah, I would probably look in that direction. That's pretty dang good. I kind of like that. But um, I'm interested to see what Carlos does in that in that match in general, and then trying to dictate what he's going to do going forward. So um yeah no i'm with you on that i'll take that first set but i'm gonna go with the spread taking the two games i am going nowhere near (laughs) this carlos alcaraz match and i'm happy (laughs) i'm super happy that jerry wasn't four or five dollars as i expected he would be obviously the market pricing in you know carlos not having played a ton which is a relevant factor it should be priced in and i'm happy uh that it's i what three dollars seventy cents so plus 270 is the market average i believe um on laszlo best price is plus 300 okay cool want no part of it i want no part of carlos alcaraz matches in general the kid is super annoying to bet on or against (laughs) Uh, and i'm just going to enjoy watching some great shot making on clay court tennis Second, I really thought that you were going to just stop at the word annoying. I, I didn't know what you were talking about in no, betting. No, he's super likable, but like, God, and his tennis is amazing. He's great for the game. He's a nice yeah. kid, clearly. But holy Christ, do I hate betting on his matches? And he loses. He wins so many matches. He sh- he should lose just through sheer a combination of sheer dumb luck and crazy shot making. It's like he should have lost at least two or three times the U.S. Open last year. He really should. Um. And once that air account comes down, he's going to be in that. It's going to be a big four. Uh, and sorry, Andy Murray fans, your loser is not going to be the fourth of that four when all is said and done by the end of Carlos Alcaraz's career. I don't think Andy Murray fans are like even young enough to know to like start a podcast. They're like, oh, are they a thing? <laughs> Andy Murray fans? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole. I mean, there's his Murray. There's music. his brother. There's his mother. I, oh there, god there's two that's that's plural so fans his yeah. mom worse than him oh yeah just very unlikable family for me so i'm, I'm really happy that carlos alcaraz is gonna kind of displace him in that big four conversation if it ever becomes a big four uh diego schwartzman is a two and a half game favorite against uh Zapata. uh he's minus 170 on the money line the dog is plus 140 21 and a half game Total here, 21 and a half game on these courts where no one can hold serve. I mean, that's like almost an autoplay. Why do they have this so reduced? Uh, I have no idea. No one wants to win these matches. Uh, but uh, these guys have never played before. Um, are we going back to the well with Diego as a heavy favorite against a guy who just gutted out? Uh, a big win after losing a bunch of sets in a row. I think I said on the last pot he had won or lost 10 sets in a row before he won last week. Now he's got another win under his belt. I mean, another match I think I'm just comfortable staying away from, but 21 and a half. I mean, (laughs) from the way these matches have gone, that just seems incredibly low. I don't know. I'm still mad at Diego from last week. That's been brewing for 
almost seven days now. So that one won't be until like, Thursday, right? Oh, you're right. Yeah. It is Thursday, the 16th. I mean, Do you just blind bet against him at this point. He, you know, right? he backhands, he dumped into net. Like it wasn't even, it wasn't even that, like, it was awful. His game is there, but he's losing a close match. Like he looks lost, and his body language was absolute dog. You know what? Yeah, it, it was bad, man. Like against Juan Manuel, and like Juan Manuel has added to his forehand a little bit, but it's not like he has weapons. But he made him look like he was just bossing him around. That he was a, a strong hitter out there, hitting in behind him with his forehand. His forehand was controlling that match. Diego's backhand wasn't just like ineffective. But it was super error prone. He dumped so many into net, and you can't give away free points when you have no ability to make up for it with winners. He looks awful, and I, I mean, Bernabe is another guy who is you know almost weaponless. So yeah. it's like this is another spot where I'm like, damn it, I'm tempted by Schwartzman again, but I will not do it. I will not bet Schwartzman again. I'd there like needs to be a huge adjustment. I'd like to float out there my theory that the pussy is just too good. His his girlfriend is just way too hot. <laughs> And John tried to censor himself by not saying dog, you know what? <laughs> Dave goes out and says that. Nice. Good job, host. Uh, it's my working theory. <laughs> um, <Solid> analysis. <laughs> strong analysis. Yes, me. Um, <laughs> I'd be doing nothing else but that. Anyway, um, <laughs> Lorenzo Musetti is a four-game favorite against uh, podcast babe Pedro Cachin. Who picked up a dub? God, we are weak early on that. We should have fucking won last week with him. That was a tight match uh, that he lost, actually. For anyway, moving on. Um, Kachina is plus 240. Musetti is minus 290. 21 and a half game total here. Musetti back for the first time since the AO where he lost in five to Lloyd Harris. Uh, also has a shoulder injury that's TBD, although, you know, he seemed okay at the AO ish, right? And, uh, just opened up about working with a specialist for panic attacks. So obviously support him in that. But as uh, someone uh, to, to put your money on, uh, something you might want to pocket some information <laughs> that seems useful uh, when you're betting money with this guy. Medvedev lost serve and then I think just broke back again. This guy yeah, I was going to say, speaking of panic attacks, uh, <laughs> Medvedev Fokina is playing Medvedev right now. Yeah. Um, panic attack going on either I know- side of the court at any given moment in this match. I know Musetti is a, a hot pick on the outright market for this tournament, and I, I rightfully so when we dig into the the uh, draw talk here in a second. Um, but uh, this might be a tougher matchup than I think people are giving a, a credit here against Kachin, um, who you know has a match under his legs here, and uh, I think uh, can just uh, be you know competitive in the match. Look, Pedro is is one of my faves, but uh, um, perhaps if you're gonna if you're gonna bet Pedro Cachina, I, I don't hate it because you've got that uncertain, you know, the lack of of uh, perfect information. That imperfect information kind of creates a perfect storm for you. Like Musetti's the better player; he should be the favorite. He's much better clay quarter. Cachin can't really do much uh, to rush or, or kind of create errors against that one handed backhand. But at the same time, there are question marks, and those question marks are tough to quantify. How is the shoulder? We don't know. We haven't seen him in a while. Um, how's that mental game? We don't know. He's been working with someone. We don't know how much has been accomplished. So you've got the potential to open the door for uh, for Kachin if if those things aren't valued properly by the market. And because they're so tough to quantify, 
because we haven't seen him in so long, perhaps there is an opening there. I'll probably leave it alone. Um, I'll be rooting for Pedro Kachin because he's you know a, a guy I love watching and I loved watching his ascendancy to the main tour. The crowd will be there too. And if you're talking about panic attacks, it cannot help to have a rowdy South American crowd against you, right? Like they they are not you know the most they're not Brit they're not the Brits sitting at Wimbledon doing their little golf claps and you know scream you know giving each other dirty looks for not abiding by the etiquette. They are rowdy. They will cheer your double faults. They will cheer in between your serves like. It's not something you'd want to be uh, going up against if you know you are predisposed to having kind of nervous um, tendencies like that. Well, let's dive into the uh, the outrights here uh, as the odds uh, have kind of run out for us here at the time of recording. And that's uh, you know I, I I I mean I went ahead and did it. If if Alcaraz doesn't drop to Jera, I mean he's he's making the final. <laughs> I mean he's going to have to play uh, Carabelli if he wins. Um, or the winner of Carabelli and Leovich or, or Baez. So, I mean, ba- if Baez, you know, hangs in there and doesn't dump after the title, I think he's prime uh, to lose. He, like, turned around. He also played doubles right away. So, it's a lot of court time for this guy who, you know, had a great week last week. Um, I just I, I have a sneaking suspicion he won't be around very long in this tournament. Um, but I could be wrong on that. He, he might just be uh, battle-tested and keep going. But yeah, Alcaraz has pretty winnable matches. I mean, then you know, he's uh, he's gonna have to play either probably uh, Dolo or Diego in the semis, and uh, I don't trust either either of those guys against Alcaraz if he's got two matches under his legs and looking pretty good. So I hate that I'm chalky on the top half, but uh, there you go. And then Nori is randomly in this tournament <laughs> on the bottom half. I I don't know what to make of that. And teams in this as well. Musetti, I think, has a pretty good pass because if he gets by Kachin, I think he'll probably beat team. Anyway, I like Musetti to probably outlast team or the other people in his bracket. Or it could be Malchan. Malchan is a sneaky play here, though, too. So I don't know if you have any steaming outright thoughts, John. No, I'm with you. Uh, I think if if Alcaraz isn't taken out early, same thing with Musetti. If those two aren't taken out early, they're the deserving two favorites of the tournament. Alcaraz might be a bit short. I mean, if you can, the thing is, if you, if you're, if Alcaraz, like think about it in a percentage uh, perspective, the, the number is down now, but I can't remember what it was before uh, it went down. I think it was like two or plus 175 or something like that, which is very short, but I mean, draw percentages. How often would you say he wins this? If he, if he does find some form, like it's a very weak field, no one's hitting through him. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of makes sense that he was sub $3 or sub plus 200, right? So uh, I'm with you. I think at this point, I don't want to get involved here trying to pick out some long shots that uh, that if Alcaraz isn't taken down in his first match, he's he's going to be able to to power through here. Yeah, I'm on the same page. Um, the first match for Alcaraz is going to be a real big test for all of us to see where he's at. So if he doesn't have the game there, um, I would roll with Musetti. But otherwise, yeah, it, it's Alcaraz's tournament to lose if he's 100 percent i'm Baez immediately broken um in the first game of his first match uh Baez back on serve no one can hold serve as we mentioned all right well we have one uh two, 250 left last but uh maybe least here <laughs> the delray beach uh in florida <laughs> <laughs> it's been a 250 since 2009 
Uh, slower outdoor hard courts. Uh, seen a lot of breaks so far. Day one of the main draw, saw four or five matches go all three sets. Last year, Cam Nori beat Opelka 7-6, 7-6 to win. Hubie beat Korda 6-3, 6-3 the year before that. Other past recent winners include Opelka, Radu, Albad, who got a wild card into uh, this week. And either did he win? What happened? Who, and, against yeah, he won Nico? against Verdasco, so he's going to win already this week. Tiafo won here. It's his only title, I believe. Jack Sock won. Sam Query also. Uh, it's supposed to be in the 80s all week. Uh, wins in the mid-teens at times. It's known for heavy wins here, but it looks like uh, it'll stay relatively light uh, for this, this week. Uh, only day with a real rain threat is the finals. So there you go. Um, it's just getting going, so no big headlines so far. I would say, uh, and I would, there should be a prop for a player running into the car on the court. I feel <laughs> yeah, like on the <laughs> Super Bowl, how they had the joint prop. They need, they need something like that. Um, well, let's look into some current odds here and a, a great slate of matches actually tomorrow with Nuno Borges taking on uh, Kashmanovic. He's a plus three dog. To Kashmanovic, uh Porges is plus one eighty and Kashmanovic is minus two twenty, neutral twenty two and a half here on the games line. Uh Nuno's got three matches under his legs coming into this as he came through qualies, although two of them were wins against Stevie Johnson. <laughs> but it's a good rally partner on these courts. So um, but uh, you know, a, a nice price to take a chance on Borges here to me against a, a, a slumping Kashmanovic. Uh, now, these are slower, hard door courts uh, for 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 Kazmanovic, so this could be a return to form for him. Also, a good spot for him to to get back. John's shaking his head, so it looks like he wants to make that argument. Yeah, yeah, I'll be on. I'll be on, Mio. Um, look, you beat Stevie Johnson, who prefers quicker conditions, uh, and who can you cut? You you can kind of toy with uh, moving the ball around. Well, that's what Nuno does well. But the lack of weapons should be. Uh, a big plus for Mio. He's not going to be overwhelmed. He's not going to be constantly on the back foot trying to get into rallies on quick condition in quick conditions. Like this is a good opponent and a good spot for him. Uh, look, we've seen him. We saw him come up and he started as a clay quarter. And then all of a sudden, I think he had a, a run last year on the slower hard courts. Was it Miami where he narrowly lost to Carlos Alcaraz? You get into this is not Miami or Indian Wells, but if you get to slower conditions, that's where he certainly shows his surface versatility. Slower hard courts, he's actually somewhat competent in. And again, against a challenger tour level guy who, you know, you beat Jonas Ferechek, who's been piss poor this season, to say the least. He cannot find uh, the range on on from the baseline on either wing. I watched his match in qualifying in Dallas against, was it uh, Alex Rybakov? Oof. Oof, was that ugly. And then, you know, Stevie J twice. You're not impressing me a whole a whole lot there. Mirja Kachmanovic, uh, still strong forehand, decent serve, very, very good point construction, likes these slower conditions, certainly has the bigger weapons on court, which he can't normally say um, in a you know second round of an ATP tour match. So I, I am going to lay the games here. I, I think there should be a four to four and a half game spread. It's only three um, at $1.93, so it's minus 107. So you know, not even a, a juiced three there. Uh, from your typical spread. So I'm going to be laying the games here with Mio. 
I will say last week I played the plus four with Gomez, who did win outright against Kishmanovic. But early on, early going, I was immediately regretting it because he was getting into Gomez's serve uh, pretty quick. So I think that could be what happens here with, with Borges. It'll just be, you know, what happens as the match goes on. Um, similar to last week with Gomez, whether or not Nuno uh, can take advantage here. Derek, what do you think? First off, I just had like some ADD moment. Um, why did Fernando Verdasco get a wild card to Delray Beach? <laughs> I think that's like political uh, ties. I was listening to the the uh, the match. I think that's uh, some networking. Okay. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a lot of networking stuff that goes on within um, the tennis world. Your agent or your you know the the company they work for, like the company that represents you, has ties to the people that own the licenses. There's a lot. Stuff you'll see it with Miami is 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 particularly not egregious, but you're like yeah. Shintero Mochizuki making <laughs> getting a qualifying wild card. Why? Well, because he's an IMG guy, right? You'll see okay. that in Madrid with IMG. You'll see that in Miami with IMG. Uh-huh. Probably a tie uh, somewhere along between yeah, Verdasco saw, and his agent and and, and Del Rey. I saw Wu is an IMG IMG guy now. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty interesting. Okay. Well, anyway, back to the bet. Um, yeah, I mean the facts were already laid out. We got Kekmanovic. I mean, this isn't the sunshine swing but it's somewhat similar so uh with the success last year during miami and indian wells i mean that's a check mark for catch monovich um borges it's just not that great of a player i mean we all expect keck to to not exactly steamroll him but confidently play the three games for keck so um, yeah, I'm with you guys just to keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, minus three for Kekmanovic. It's currently minus 115 with a small rake for uh, you Bovada users. Uh, we're, we're getting a matchup we talked about last week and the conditions we 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 mentioned last week, and that's Dennis Shapovalov taking on Michael Moe. Uh, oh, baby. Uh, first matchup between these two. Mo is at even money right now at plus three and a half. He's plus two sixty. He got it out uh, a win against uh, another young American uh, yesterday, and Shampo uh, minus three twenty five uh, on the money line. He's minus whew, minus thirty minus one thirty delay. The <laughs> he's almost up to laying four games. Um, I'm not sure what to do here i mean like i do feel like chapo needs a bounce back but man this is another tough draw i think for this guy uh mo as we mentioned earlier on this podcast this is a kind of a defensive pusher um yikes yeah i'm with you on that um i'm just gonna keep fading chapo until i get burned so i i mean i gotta take michael mo plus three and a half i still think he's an underrated player i don't think he's a great player He's obviously not as good as um, Chapo, but Chapo's not himself. So, um, yeah, I'd take Michael Bow here, plus three and a half. It's at even money, too, so you can probably buy uh, a half game. Probably get here. up to four, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be expensive, though. That's an expensive half game. Um, yeah. Those are those are your key numbers in men's tennis, right? Three to four, three and a half to four, four, four and a half. Yeah. Um, so much falls cents. in there. Yeah, it's my because I mean a lot of times it's 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 going to be a break a set and then you've got service order so your your three to five range is is generally where the vast majority uh, of 
kind of matches are expected to fall. Not where they do. I'm not going to say a majority, probably a plurality, but I'm not going to make a statement. I don't have the math to, to back me up on. But in terms of the markets, that's where most are expected to fall between the three and five. So it's going to be an expensive half game. I'm going to pass on this one, honestly. I think this is a, a great chapeau kind of to sum him to sum it up before the match happens. Is this not like an either 6-2-6-2 win or like a 7-6 four, six, six, three slog or like Mo wins outright kind of thing, right? It it just feels like Erotic Chapo is going to have so much trouble, but if he's playing clean, pure tennis, I mean, <laughs> Mo's not, Mo doesn't have a chance. So, but it's, yeah. that's Tennis yeah. Shapovalov. I yeah. mean, it's like, that's not a, that's not a controversial statement. I'm not in, giving you any information that you don't already know exactly. uh, from watching Dennis play. So I, I'm going to go ahead and pass. I like to stay the hell away from, Chapel versus pusher matches like Chapel versus Nishioka is another one where, uh, you know, every time I watch, it's like, oh, Nishi's just dragging him all over the court and just driving him nuts. And I still don't bet it, but I just don't like playing him against pushers. I don't like playing those matches. We're finally talking about Tommy Paul on this podcast. Uh, it's been way too long. Uh, Derek's favorite player is returning to action. That's separation anxiety. <laughs> Kudla actually got the better of Paul on the challenger circuit back in the day, but they haven't played uh, since 2019. Uh, Paul is laying five games against Mr. Kudla. Um, big yikes on that one. I don't know, man. Um, they obviously have a relationship. We know each other. So I feel like, you know, that's kind of lined like, Australian Open semifinalist Tommy Paul versus guy who was borderline challenger bottom of ATP tour Dennis Kudla, but these guys obviously have a history and know each other's game. Yeah, yeah, that's just a lot of games. I mean, I was saying how four and a half games are gives me a horrible feeling in my stomach earlier in this podcast. Five games. Oof. Yeah, no thanks. I'm just gonna steer clear of this one. I mean, I can just root on Tommy Paul without putting any money on him. I mean, a Paul outright might be the way to play. Minus six hundred. No, I'm saying to oh, win the Paul tournament. The tournament. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Even that. That's. I don't know. It, it's like I. I think his stock's just overinflated just because of that semifinal. Um, he was favored to win every single match going into that semifinal against Novak. And um, it's not that crazy that he made it that far. It's, it's crazy that the draw worked out for him like that, but it's not crazy that he won all those matches to get there. So like, I'm just saying, I, I think this is overinflated given that I'm supposed to take Kudla, but I don't know. I'm a Tommy Paul fan. I just really don't want to bet against him. Five games, five games feels like a lot, but at the same time, it's Dennis Kudla. Like, huh. is it enough? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm it like, could go wrong really quick. I agree. Like, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, man, a plus five. That's nuts. It's so many games that I'm like, but I still don't want to bet Kudla. So is it even enough games? Like, yeah. seriously, how many, how many lopsided sets has he lost this year too? He lost a six, one to Thompson. He lost, um, no, that's about it. So maybe not. Uh, no, he lost a couple six twos to Ugo Umber. There's, you know, I guess a a six three to Thompson's not lopsided, but that's you know halfway to your to it, you know your cover if you're on Paul minus five. Like there have been some 
some not so great moments for Kudla throughout this season. Uh, and he hasn't played many very good players, right? Like his wins are against Taberner, Jazika, and Safulin, and then Milishev, and then Jordan Thompson, in a third set tiebreak, who is like, again, a kind of nutty kind of player mentally. Yeah. It's just the, All right, like well, the win was like out of control then too. And Thompson like it. lost. Yeah. And like on a, like a double fault in the second set it was like pretty embarrassing i will be laying the five games with taylor fritz against uh gomez um emiliano gomez mania it's time for this <laughs> it's time for it to be over <laughs> i mean uh john's shaking his head <laughs> i'm not sure i'm you- telling <laughs> you man emilio gomez watch your challengers the dude is not horrible he's just <laughs> he's he's like oh you know what he is He's like the American challenger circuit version of Quentin Halley. He's just, you know what you're getting from him. But like, you know how the American circuit to the European circuit is like a way less talented kind of circuit? Yeah. So like, he's just a poor man's version of Quentin Halley, which again is not a compliment to him, but it's like, if you're the poor man's version of a quasi-challenger player, you're not that good. But I mean, he's not horrible. Like, he's not horrible. Well, I I believe I watched him and Kozlov play one of the worst matches on the ATP tour. That's his goal is to make the match as unwatchable as possible because that's where he thrives. Yeah. Like Stefan Kozlov and unwatchable <laughs> tennis is like, now he's winning matches, you know, like... slower outdoor hardcore has been where uh, Fritz has been, uh, has yeah, thrived in the past. So uh, I'm running to the fire with the five here. Um, all right, well, let's look at the, um, outrights here um we got the return to ben shelton he's taking on giron tonight and a tricky match for mr shelton i i'm always on the side that giron's a, a bit over or underrated rather and uh we'll see if he can get that out i think he probably will but uh, i i would kind of like to over in that matchup tonight that'll that'll be played before this hits uh feeds um but so you can change what you uh you know predict predict no i won't i i have shelton into the semifinals actually against mr tommy paul um and i got yoshi versus fritz in the other semifinal uh yoshi would win a rematch uh against chapo the match before that i got yoshi be this is a lot of repeat uh head-to-heads we'd have we got yoshi versus mackie uh which we've just recently seen we get Shapo versus Yoshi in a, a rematch from uh, Seoul, I believe. Um, and then Yoshi versus Fritz, which I think they played in Tokyo. Did they play in Tokyo? I don't remember. Um, and then Shelton, if it if it breaks into Shelton versus Paul, uh, that's obviously an AO rematch. But Kashmanovich, obviously uh, a dark horse here as well. Um, if he outlasts uh, Mr. Borges, but he would take on the winner of Man, the winner of Giron gets Sock because Sock's playing some random dude. Um, yeah, I don't. What do you guys think about the outrights here? Outrights. Oof. Um, I'm just gonna pick Tommy just because I'm loyal. <laughs> he's Zero probably pretty good price. That. So that's the fact that uh, he's on a heater right now. But like I said, I mean, I think his stock's overinflated. But yeah, yeah. I'm just going to be biased and just pick Tommy Paul. I'm going to go with Tommy Paul because holy hell, 
does his half of the draw stink? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, outside of my too. outside of my guy Ben Shelton, who you, everyone knows I love. Are you kidding me? Like Borges, again, Kachmanovic. Like I like Kachmanovic, but that's your four seed with a bye. Vukic, Albot, Kudla. Dude, Tommy, if you're not in at least the final here, my guy, you did something wrong. Or yeah. semifinal against Shelton, I could excuse if he plays a great clean match. That's an acceptable loss. But if you're not in the semifinal here, he's either tanking or like, no. Like, no, you have to be in the semifinal if you're Tommy Paul here. You have to be. Yeah, there's no Novak Djokovic in here to stop him from going to the final. No. All right. Riding I got, I got really? Fritz in a bounce back. To take this as the one seed, it sounds chalky, but I mean, I just like, I think it's a pretty good setup for him on these courts. Um, anyway, all right. Um, geez, <laughs> this was a long one, guys. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of tennis this week, so there you go. Mm-hmm. And we covered it all. Uh, if you've made it here and you liked what you heard, uh, please give us a like. And subscribe, a rating, a review, anything really. Just interact with us. We're here. Let's let's talk. Let's chat. Um, any last thoughts from you guys? No, if you made it this far, I congratulate you. And uh I hope you come back next week, though. Now, I'm just trying to keep building that little that little egg of profit. Just get get it bigger and bigger as we go along throughout the year. So let's uh let's hope that uh, we have a nice weekend. Delray Beach, Rotterdam, and Buenos Aires. You can find our Twitter at MP9Tennis. You can find John at Jared Tweets Tennis at Tibbetts Tennis. Derek is at Fair versus Nagal. Until next time, see you in the court.